This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Inspiring women, bold vision, and powerful insights to help you use speaking to build a thriving business. This is Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. Now, for today's show. Welcome to another episode of Speaker Success Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen and creator of podcastingwithpurpose.com podcast training. Are you thinking about writing a book? However, you're not sure on the pros and cons of self-publishing, traditional publishing, or even hybrid publishing. In fact, what is hybrid publishing anyway? Well, today's guest is going to answer that as well as she's going to answer how we can save time and money by avoiding some of the common mistakes that authors make. Now, as I was recording the interview, Karen gave such incredible depth and wealth of information. We have cut her original recording into two parts, part one and part two. It was that good. Joining me on today's show is Karen Strauss. Karen is a book publishing veteran with over 30 years of experience working with well-known celebrities such as Martha Stewart and George Will, as well as many speakers, entrepreneurs and authors who are writing books to get their message heard. She has worked at major publishers such as Random House, Crown and Macmillan, and in 2011, she founded Hybrid Global Publishing for independent authors looking for a traditional publishing experience, coupled with a highly modern approach to promotion and marketing. Now, on today's episode, part one, Karen is going to share the top 10 mistakes authors are making and how you can avoid them. And when we get her on part two, she's going to dive into how to decide which publishing options is right for you, as well as how a book will benefit you as a speaker and entrepreneur. Let's welcome Karen to the show. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. I'm delighted to be here. We know that a book is such a great way to build credibility, build our business. But uh, one of the things that you speak into uh, is the many mistakes that authors make. So we want to know how to avoid them. So how about we dive in because you want to share the top 10 today, yes? Sure, there may be more, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, um, there are common common mistakes that new authors make, particularly if you venture into the self publishing world. Um, there's a lot of questions you may not even know what to ask. 
So one of the key things that um, in particular new authors don't really understand is the importance of a book cover. Mm. So, you know, it's interesting. You can spend years writing your book and then and then just think about, really not even think about the cover design for the last minute. There's no synergy. Um, and you just give it to some graphic designer or designer that actually may be a local designer or a graphic designer, but have no working knowledge of how to do a book design or the person has never been in the publishing industry. So they then start to create a design that really has nothing to do with who your market is, who you're trying to appeal to, what channels you're going through. So in other words, there needs to be a lot of synergy if it's matching a brand. All of those things you need to take into consideration for your cover. Yes. So just consider something that if you're a shopper in a bookstore, an average customer in a bookstore actually takes about eight seconds to look at the front cover of the book and 15 seconds looking at the back of the book before you decide whether to buy it or not. So there was a, you know, and, and, and they're looking at the design, you know, the appeal of it, even, you know, the design of the spine, because most books are spined out in a mm -hmm. bookstore. Mm -hmm. And so if it's unappealing, if the spine is unappealing, if something is like sticks out at you because it's on the spine, that's a cool thing to know. Um, and so just to share a little more statistics, so a survey of booksellers showed that 75% of them found the book cover to be the most important element of the book. Wow. So really think of it as an integral part of your marketing campaign. So I know when I go to Barnes and Noble and other key accounts to sell books, you know, one of the key things is they're going to look at the cover and if they don't like the cover, they literally won't buy the book. Hmm. So my advice is please don't attempt to design your book cover. Don't hire somebody that hasn't done a lot of book covers prior and make sure you look at, you know, the, the previous designs and see if it matches your aesthetic. And if they've designed books, if you're in the business world, have they designed other business books? You know, if you've written a novel, um, you want to know that they, they understand sci-fi or science fiction, you know, uh, yes. you know, mystery or romance, the category that you're in, you will find, you want to find a book designer that has done a lot of those kinds of books. Yes. That makes so much sense. What would be the, the next mistake, Karen? So the next one is, as we say, sometimes you get what you pay for. Hmm. So like there's an old saying that says you can find a cheap lawyer, um, but you, you can't find a good lawyer who is cheap. You can find a cheap lawyer and a good lawyer, but you can't find a good lawyer who's cheap. So what that means is that there are a lot of deals out there. There's a lot of people who are doing publicity or some kind of marketing. Um, and they might, they might say to you, well, I'll do all of this for $200. Um, but $200 really isn't anything. And so what really basically what I'm saying is, do your research on what a publicist costs if you're going to hire a publicist. If you're going <clears> to <throat> hire a book marketing person, if you want to do an Amazon bestseller campaign, essentially, really, it's up to the author to determine what kinds of marketing mm -hmm. or publicity 
that you want to do and then find the right person to do it for you. So, you know, you just, um, you want to understand what it is you're doing for what you're paying for. Yes, makes so much sense. Karen, as you were thinking about marketing um, our book, I'd imagine that you've got some people who are experts in helping you become that Amazon bestseller, other experts who help in other areas. Is there such a thing as someone who can help across a number of different avenues or would you suggest go to someone who's specialising in a certain area because you know then that they're quite an expert rather than someone who's dabbled across a number of different ways? Any feedback on that? That's a really excellent question. I think it depends what you want. There's some people that are very focused. So they say, okay, I want to be number one at Amazon. Let me find somebody who's done this hundreds and hundreds of times. Like we do Amazon bestseller campaigns you know, all day long. So while we never can guarantee where it's number one, you know, they'll get to number one, but a bestseller is, you know, from one to 10, but our track record is really good. Mm -hmm. But you want to find somebody who's been doing this for quite a while and understands the underpinnings. Um, so, um, you know, there, there are some people that just want to play on Amazon. In other words, how do I take advantage of Amazon um, advertising, Amazon review campaigns, Amazon bestseller campaigns. Um, how do I get myself up in the discovery engine of Amazon? So I would recommend hiring a person who's really, really knowledgeable about all things Amazon. Mm. If you want um, publicity, I would absolutely recommend a publicist, whether, and they can be expensive. So you know, they can be anywhere from $5,000 a month with no guarantee of anything or um, a freelance publicist that might just focus on a radio campaign or a blogger campaign, you know, and not, you know, particularly if you're not in New York like I am, if you live in the suburbs in other states, local publicity is really um, where I would recommend you go and hire a local publicist because they know their market. Mm. So, so I know it's harder to find specific experts. In other words, it's more work for you, but in my opinion, I always believe in hiring. I like specialists. Yes. I think that uh, we'll get into this later, but one of the advantages of going with a hybrid publisher and certainly a traditional publisher is that you then get to work with a person who is in a sense your coach mm -hmm. and and right so that person who's been in uh publishing for many many years can direct you to the right people to people who have already been vetted yes um, in terms of what they do mm -hmm. so yeah. that's you know that's a key advantage of working with somebody if you're self-publishing You'll probably have a limited budget. And I think that's the first thing you need to do is figure out setting aside a budget for marketing um, and figuring out your pre-marketing, then what you're going to do on launch day and what, how you're going to continue to grow that. So what you may want to do at first is hire somebody who's been in book publishing as a consultant and, and really lay out a marketing strategy, a, a, an execution plan. That's what I would recommend yeah. you do. 
so then true. that person would probably recommend people. Yeah, I like that because, you know, when you have a, a clear strategy in place and you know that all of the pieces of the, the, the puzzle, so to speak, are working together, you may not need to go across a lot of different platforms, but it's so focused, one platform will launch another, will build momentum to another, and then external people, like I'm sure I've heard of situations where someone has gotten incredible publicity locally, and the message was so good that external, you know, journalists and so forth reached out to us and said, we'd love to feature you on our show. And, and that kind of, can kind of build exactly. momentum that way too. It's, um, that's exactly right. When I was a publicist, we always said, um, press begets press. Hmm. So that somebody could see you in a local market. And now it's easy. We can do, um, you know, a, a, we can film ourselves on zoom or we can do a speaker reel you know um speaker one sheet and send that out and so if people are seeing you speaking or, or being interviewed on shows you know they may want you in their market um and then there are things like pr web that you can actually um write your own press release and have them send it out to um to well you would decide which markets it could be national it could be local you know, you and you would define who you're, who you're trying to appeal to. And then you could actually have a video as well attached to your press release. And you can garner a lot of press just by doing that on yes. your own. And you can have somebody from them help you mm -hmm. from there. Yeah. yeah. Strategy is so very important. I love this. So that was um, mistake number two. You get what you pay for. So we know it's so important to get someone to support us because we want to avoid all of the, the, the left money on the table. And so what can we do when we don't get that right support? What would be another mistake we need to avoid? Right. So a big mistake is a lot of authors really don't need to know where to begin. You know, once they've even decided to, to write the book, they really don't know then, you know, who to turn to or where to turn to. So, you know, think about when you start with any kind of project at work, you know, you, you create an outline, you start with a plan. So your book writing project should also begin with a plan that essentially lists your initial concepts to the finished cover, to a marketing plan, to distribution. What are you trying to accomplish? What, what are your goals? So for instance, some of the questions you might ask yourself, what purpose will this book serve? So always every buyer, every publicity outlet really wants to know, and every customer wants to know, how will this book benefit me? And so really make sure that's part of your key talking points. Otherwise, if you don't know what purpose the book will serve, certainly no one else will. Mm -hmm. So that's a key thing. Um, figure out how is your book different from other books published on the same subject. So make sure you do your research. And that could be as easy as uh, going to Amazon or going to barnesandnoble.com or going into a bookstore and going to the shelf or the virtual shelf and looking up your subject category and looking at other books and seeing how your book would be different from other books published on the same subject. And always look about, um, if, when you're doing your research, people don't really care about books that have been published more than three years ago. So that's like light years. So, so when, you're, when you're doing, when you're writing down how your book is different, make sure the book is only two or three years old um, and then write yourself, um, you know, 
how your book compares and how it's different. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. So if it's, right. And if it's fiction, you know, what's the main theme of your story? What's the main theme? What's the secondary theme? Really, is there a moral to the story? Is there some kind of belief, you know, or argument that you're trying to make through a fictional character? So um, in order to get a lot of publicity, fiction really needs to be turned into nonfiction in a sense of you want to have some nonfiction subjects or themes to talk about, uh, uh, you know, if you want to be booked on local TV or radio, they want to know how your fiction book really is talking to and is relevant to the real world. Yes, great point. What's the next mistake? So the next mistake is editing. Um, and this is kind of my pet peeve, um, where people say, oh, you know, my cousin was an English major, or uh, my aunt, you know, she's, you know, she's great. She's, she finds mistakes in books all the time. So I think I'm just going to give my book to her. Uh, and she can do, you know, she can mark up my grammar. And I know that she's, you know, going to help me. Mm-hmm. That is about as wrong-headed as possible. So I cannot emphasize this enough. If you're going to spend money anywhere, make sure you hire a good editor and make sure you understand what kind of editorial help you even need. So for instance, um, a, a developmental editor is someone, if particularly with fiction um, and lots with nonfiction as well, but, you know, that's someone who's going to help you actually develop the content and develop a storyline that's pleasing to read, more interesting, more dramatic, and is really going to substantially help you organize the book and maybe rewrite it in passages. A copy editor, however, is someone who just works with spelling, grammar, syntax, so on and so forth. And that's where a lot of people really fall short. So... If you have a business and this is your brand, the last thing you want is your book filled with mistakes. Mm -hmm. So hire somebody who's been certified in the Chicago Manual of Style. That is our universal Bible in the publishing industry. And bar none, there are no exceptions. They must be well-versed in the Chicago Manual of Style in order to be a legitimate editor. Yes, so true. You know, and sometimes giving it to someone that you know, they are are cautious to giving you some feedback, whereas I'm sure that a development editor is going to come back and say, look, this doesn't fit together, where someone that does know and love you can often miss that. So it's such a great point. And look, how many times, Karen, have we written an article? We've read it multiple times. We've published it just on our blog. So thankfully, we can go and update it. We read it the next morning and there right in the top paragraph is a glaring error. Well, of course, we can't do that with our book, can we, once it's out there on the shelves? Um, So, so very important for sure. Exactly right. And, you know, lots of books, I'm sure, People have read books that have come out from Random House and Simon Schuster and other places. I mean, they have errors as well, you know, and we just, you know, and and sometimes gremlins come out, but really um, not hiring a professional editor is is probably the biggest mistake Mm -hmm. that new authors make. Yes, so true. What's another mistake? So another one is, so... My book's going to become an instant bestseller. I'm going to write it. I'm going to put it out on Amazon and bang, I'm going to spit, I'm going to, 
I'm going to sell 10,000 copies and it's become um, a New York Times bestseller. Yes. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> you've heard of actors and actresses, you know, overnight successes that took them 20 years to become overnight successes. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. So anyone who's spent time in the industry knows there's no such things. So basically what you have to do, you know, um, a lot of authors make the mistake of saying, whew, wow, I've now written a book. My work is done. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm afraid your work is just beginning. And that's regardless of whether you publish, whether you self-published, work with a hybrid publisher, or work with a traditional publisher. Traditional publishers these days really are looking for YouTube stars and celebrities, you know, people with large platforms. They're really leaning on the author to provide promotion. So what you need to do is keep working on that even before you write the book. Um, work with a um, work with a um, a professional marketing um, marketing person. Um, I'm a big fan of marketing funnels, particularly if you're a business person. And essentially, marketing funnels are on your website where you start to um, get a mailing list where you give away something free, and that could be you know, a chapter in your book or your ebook or a white paper, or lots of people like to take quizzes. So uh, particularly if you're in the coaching or the health field, mm -hmm. you know, um, how do you have diabetes? Are you in, you know, in um, danger of, 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 of getting cancer? So people will take the survey and, um, and leave you their name and address. And then that's a great way for you to contact them. And then the funnels pretty much go up to now you're selling, you know, a $5 ebook. Now you're selling a $15 book. Now you're selling a course and then, um, you know, um, a one-on-one -on -one coaching program and a masterclass, et cetera, et cetera, to the point where that's what marketing funnels do for people. Um, and that is my favorite way for people who are looking to build their platforms and get on a bigger stage. So that's somebody, something I would look for and for a person who, who really is knowledgeable about how, how to build marketing funnels. Yes. So, so and that can start immediately, you mm -hmm. know, the, you know, way before the book is, is written. In fact, you should have those in place by the time the book is out. Yeah. So important. You know, and often I cringe when I hear Karen, people saying online, you know, the email list is dead, email list is dead which it absolutely isn't because if you're compiling a list of people who are getting to know, like, and trust you and you're regularly writing a newsletter or something, the feedback that you're given from them can give you so much information as to what should be included in your book, what are the things that they're struggling with, so that when you finally go to write content, you know it's relevant and valuable and speaking into the struggles and the issues that your ideal client is, is struggling with. So you know it's providing value and we can't do that unless, as you say, we're, we're generating a list of our community, our ideal clients and uh, regularly growing that, so important. What's another mistake that you often, I'm sure you cringe when you see this happening with, with, with new authors? Um, well, essentially not understanding timing. So for instance, um, you know, reviews or pitching or early sales into bookstores, while they aren't, you know, what they once were, um, long leads need to you know four to six months in advance to know about the book. Certainly, if you want to be in Barnes and Noble, 
Um, they want to know about the book four months in advance. So you really want to understand the timing when you're planning all of your marketing and your promotion up until your launch date and beyond. When should review copies be sent out? So most new authors don't really understand that at all. So particularly if you're self-publishing, it's like you get done in 10 or 12 weeks and then you put it out immediately. And mm -hmm. then you wonder why you're not selling any copies of the book. So you really need to plan well in advance. Yes, so true. It's like with anything, isn't it? We have a great idea, but we need a lot of planning goes in the background. And when we do that, uh, we know every step of the way is building intention and is building momentum for us so that we're not left disappointed. What's another mistake you often see happening? So another mistake is designing your own website. It's kind of like saying, I'm gonna be my own doctor or my own lawyer. So, you know, if, if I were to do my own taxes, you would wind up visiting <laughs> oh, no. me in jail. So that's, yeah. that's not gonna happen. So, so too, with unless you're an expert in HTML or you know these programs, you know, if you do, you know, more power to you. But if you don't, end of story, you need to hire a website designer. And so, you know, it will, in the end, save you thousands of dollars if you actually hire a professional to do that. And so what you want to do is, um, the first thing you need to do is get your domain name. So the title of your book should be your domain name. And if you can't get that domain name, uh, because it's taken, I would A, either think of a new title or do your title and then slash book.com. So just make sure that your, um, that your website matches your book name and then have a, um, have a designer work with you on, um, on the aesthetics of it. Yes. And then of course the marketing funnels, if you're going to do that, you know, um, they, they need to understand the coding and the background, um, you know, the back end of the website to, to do that. Yeah. You know, as you're sharing that, I mean, that is a, a huge aha, isn't it? I mean, imagine you've got this great title for your book, you know, great chapters that support learning and growth and value for your readers. And then you go to get the domain name and it's taken. How often do yeah. we do that? And it's like, oh, no. So really um, such a great uh, strategy. Get Go and see the domain. You know, get the domain name. You know, years ago when I was studying personal branding, my then mentor said often people would look, this is how serious people are about out, um, domain names they looked you know they had a child and then they said okay what are we going to name our child let's have a look at the domain name is ready beforehand he and he used that example it's so important as a oh, personal uh, branding isn't yeah. it positioning yeah it, it very much is so and also I would recommend um, if you can't get your name um, you know um, then do for instance um, Anne Marie Cross slash author Mm -hmm. You know, so so at least have that domain and then you can forward, you know, if you have a main website, you can forward all these things to the main website. But, you know, you, you want to own all of these things just so that they become your property so no one else can yes. get them. Digital assets for sure, which we know is so important online. What's another mistake? Right. I think we've, that was seven. What's oh, eight? eight. What's number seven. eight? Eight. <laughs> eight was... You know, there are so many resources to take advantage of these days. There's been no better time uh, than to be an independent author than now, because there are a lot of resources. So, for instance, 
I would recommend there's um, uh, an organization called the IBPA, Independent Book Publishers Association. And they, they not only not only are traditional publishers part of it, um, independent publishers are part of it, but also authors. And they're looking for smart authors or people with businesses, you know, that write books and so on and so forth. And they have a ton of, of uh, they provide a lot of help and consulting for free. Just join the organization and you can ask board members, you can ask the experts, you know, uh, uh, really question about anything. And then they have all of these marketing and promotional vehicles. So there's NetGalley, there's uh, advertising, there's, you know, there's a lot of resources that you can um, take advantage of. You can market to librarians, to libraries through them. And they, they not only offer you, and they offer you uh, discounts on this, but they also also offer you a ton of discounts as benefits just on things like Federal Express, you know, um, if you're going to publish uh, and print through Ingram Spark, they give you major discounts, you know, when you're uploading a book through Ingram Spark. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a great organization to join. Um, and then there are just, you know, and, and then another one obviously is ours, which is you know, the Women's Speakers Association. And, you know, we have a publishing program through Women's Speakers Association and the platform they offer is awesome. Yes. So we provide so much marketing and help and video uh, for our authors and for members of the association. So particularly, obviously, if you want to be a speaker or you want a book will certainly help you um, expand your platform and help you get speaking engagements. But if that's one of your goals with your book, I would definitely consider joining the Women's Speakers Association. Yes. So, yeah. And then there's lots of interesting marketing vehicles, social media platforms like Goodreads um, and IndieView and um, other, other library thing. So these are social media platforms that have tens of thousands of people who are members. And these are booksellers, they're reviewers, they're librarians, they're people who uh, you can offer review copies to, digital or print book if you like. You can do contests, giveaways. There's so many things that you can do to reach a crowd of literally millions of people that we would never be able to do on our own. And even a traditional publisher doesn't have that kind of reach. So, so you know, take advantage of what's out there mm -hmm. and um, check it out, work with a professional, work with your, you know, with your, with your marketing person or your publisher. Um, but definitely make sure you take advantage of all those things. Yes. Karen, with um, the, the last resources you mentioned, Goodreads, IndieView, what would you call those social platforms? Is there kind of a terminology that if someone was looking to see what resources and platforms are out there that I can join, uh, what, what would they search for, do you think? That's a good question. I'd say, you know, social media platform for books, mm -hmm. you know, book, um, book marketing, social media, um, you know, your audience too, if they want to um, email or contact me, if you give them a contact at the end, I would be happy. They can check out, um, they, can, they can email me um, and check out my website, hybridglobalpublishing.com. 
and we've got a whole section on resources that will give you a list of these kinds of of things that you can you know, uh, check out. Yeah. What I love about that is that, you know, as you start to network and just be part of that group and the things, the wealth and depth of knowledge that people would be sharing there that we could benefit from could really help us, you know, in the direction of the book and just the, you know, just the, the elements that could take your book from just being a book to a resource that many people talk about and refer to, which I know is a, a goal many of, um, you know, aspiring authors uh, would like to, to achieve. So all of these resources are just so very valuable. Definitely uh, we'll do that and get you to share your details at the end. Now, I believe that that is number eight, um, resources to benefit from. What's nine and then 10? Okay, so um, very quickly, um, basically listening to people who aren't experts, you know, there's a lot of people who give you opinions about your book, the direction, the topic. Um, you know, just make sure that they're working in your industry, particularly, you know, what you want to do is listen to people. If you're writing a book um, about tax audits, you know, you don't want to ask your mother if she's not in the industry. Mm. What you want is to have, you know, readers who are pre-reading your book, you know, and commenting on the facts and on if this is something that's of interest to them. So, you know, you definitely want to listen to people who are experts in their industry. Yes. So. Key. You, and, and essentially, you're building your marketplace. Align yourself with your own market. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, people who are providing information, you want to make sure that it is valuable and based on years of, of experience and, and many, I guess, mistakes that have been made and, and seen over the years and someone who's not able to deliver that to you can, can often steer us in the, the wrong direction. So great tip. What's number 10? And then number 10 really is, you know, try not to set arbitrary deadlines. Like you might say, okay, it's now October. I'm going to get my book out for Christmas. You know, mm. so you really need to set sense of boundaries that, you know, and really understand the time frame of, you know, when you're going to get your, how long it takes to get your book finished, um, how long, it, you know, you finish, you edit, you do production, the interior design, all the things that it takes to put together and to market. So you really need to figure out, you know, to exercise discipline, slow yourself up. And I would say, make sure your planning is at least six to eight months in advance to make sure that you have time to get everything done. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at a book project end to end, and I know, Karen, that often this is probably a, an answer, well, how long is a piece of string? But to give people a realistic expectation, a realistic plan, you know, time to plan from writing the book to, to finally getting it published and, and launched, what would you say is a really solid structure and time to obviously six to eight months you're saying in advance and that is all of the key factors to make sure that once it is launched the relationships have been built and momentum has already started to be built so it's not not just kind of sitting there crickets on the website um, but so what's a good time frame do you think and have you seen other authors do so so here's it's it's kind of a multi-fold process which you want is if it's mid-October now, I would then want to launch my book, say March or April of next year, and maybe plan for, this will be a great Mother's Day book, this will make a great Father's Day book, if you can tie, 
tie it around events or holidays, that's really good. Or, mm-hmm. you know, disease of the month week, you know, um, whatever our African-American uh, African um, African history month, you know. And um, so, you, you know, those are good things to plan. Um, but what you want to do in advance is, for instance, so we have an author um, that we're planning her launch on Valentine's Day. Um, but we're going to have the book done um, and get review copies out December and early January to make sure that we are getting, you know, enough notice for people who need that, you know, the New York Times and other people, magazines um, who may need that advanced lead time. Um, and then in January, we're going to start all our pre-marketing um, and write the pitch letter, and the, you know, the press release and so on and so forth. But when it's tied into a you know, a Valentine's Day book, because it is about love and relationships. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you, you, you should be planning something for six to eight months, um, you know, total, um, you know, by the time you get your book done through the editing process and, and figure out a timeline, but leave yourself, leave yourself eight months by the time the book is done to, um, and into editing and then, and then launched. Yeah. I love that. So, so key. And I'd imagine when you're saying about sending out re- review copies, this is where you would be, you know, asking for it's like kind of testimonials and things like that. Or is that quite different when you're sending out review copies? What are some of the things you're looking to achieve through that? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, testimonials are different than publicity. So testimonials, you can, you can do, some people will take a, you know, we might, um, set the book and you know in design the interior and some people all actually take a pdf and we can just email um the book to the to the person or the author can um other times we we uh print what we call early galleys so galleys are basically you know early early copies so we may not have had the book completely edited yet Mm -hmm. so but what we want to do testimonials uh, put on the back of the book their endorsements or quotes from basically rock stars in your industry. They don't necessarily have to be well-known celebrities, although that would be awesome if you do know any and you can get someone or you get someone well-known to do a forward, that would be fantastic or an introduction. Um, but what you really want, you know, if you're writing a book, um, you know, it, particularly in nonfiction, you want stars in that industry or people with a Twitter following of a million people or a YouTube following of tens of, you know, 50, 60,000 people. You know, those are the kind of people that you want to go after or really credentialed people that are professors or, you know, the, the in, in higher level education, if that's what matters to mm-hmm. your to your book. Yeah. So that's different than review copies for the media. Mm-hmm. So if we want to send review copies out to Newsweek, to, you know, the, what we call long lead magazines. So if you're going for national publicity or USA Today magazine, or if you want to be inter, uh, reviewed by what we call the trade, the trade is, um, you know, you want to get your book in bookstores so and, and in libraries. So the key magazines are Publishers Weekly, Library Journal, Kirkus Reviews, Forward Magazine, um, there are there are about five or six major players in in the the publishing industry, 
And so they base their buys on those reviews in those magazines. Mm -hmm. But they you need four to six months lead time, um, at least four months lead time. So in other words, if I'm publishing my book in April, they need to see um, a galley copy no later than early January in order to review it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by early review copies. And it's okay, you know, as long as we print, you know, um, galley copy, you know, and we say not final, you know, not uh, the editing is not final. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they don't kill us for, you know, uh, mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, so they will write their review and then we send them a, a copy of the, of the final book so they can review that just, just once more. But, um, but so if that's important to you, you know, that's what we call early galleys. If it's not important, um, which is fine because not a lot of, not every author really cares about being in bookstores because if you've got organizations that might buy 500 or a thousand copies of your book, if you're speaking at conferences, you know, get those people, those organizations or those schools to buy the book for everybody who attends the conference. Mm, yes. Right. So, or if you're speaking a keynote speaker and if you can sell books at the back of the room, ask them if they'll, you know, if you can sell the book. So there are a lot of ways to get these organizations to either buy books or let you sell the book. Um, in which case you won't need early review copies, um, but places like bloggers or um, newsletters, you know, places like the Huffington Post um, don't require, they might just want a digital copy, you know, a, a few weeks in advance of publication. Mm-hmm. So that's why you need to plan it out. Yeah, great, great. And it all depends on on the strategy and the outcome that you want, which is such a great reminder. <laughs> You've been listening to Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. If you're ready to share your message in a bigger way so you can build a thriving business, get your free speaker success plan at speakersuccessgift.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.